name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. And glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever into the ages of all ages, Amen. In a certain sense, this is part two, uh, and part one would have been last Sunday's sermon, which you can find on our podcast uh, or on the YouTube live stream if you, you know, zoom ahead uh, in the liturgy till you get to the sermon. Um, uh, and I'll review a little bit of what we talked about last week, but then we'll kind of just jump into very much what uh, we want to discuss this week. So in the introduction to, of the readings, we were talking about how Christ is coming in the Incarnation. And this is the Coptic month which precedes the month of, of the Incarnation, which comes before that month. And so the, the, the purpose of this whole month is to prepare us for, uh, for the next uh, month, which is the month in which the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And so Jesus tells a parable of a sower who went out to sow. And he went to go out and sow some seed. And that gospel was read from the gospel of St. Luke last week and was read from the gospel of St. Matthew this week. So it's like the same thing is being said twice. Last week, we read the, 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 the parable that Jesus says. He, said, he tells a story about a sower who went out to sow and some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on stony ground. And it sprouted immediately, but then when the sun came up, it burned. And some fell amongst thorns and weeds. And it, um, you know, it tried to grow, but the, the soil, there's competition in the soil with the weeds and, and the thorns. And so it didn't yield much fruit. And some fell on good ground, yielding a great harvest, right? So last week, we also read Jesus explaining the parable, the parable to his disciples. But because we read it last week, this week, the church gave us just the parable because it knows that you heard the explanation last week. So the disciples ask Jesus, what does this parable mean? And he tells them that the seed which is sown is the word of God. And the word of God is sown and each person receives it differently. Uh, and the birds, he, ex he explains, are the devils, the demons, who come and steal the word out of your heart. And we talked about that last week. And we talked also last week about the fourth soil. The fourth soil is the soil which is good, which is, you know, nice, fluffy soil, rich soil, soil which has nothing else in it, no weeds, no rocks, no nothing. It's just soil. And actually last week we talked about how the first soil and the fourth soil are very similar because they both are pure soil. But the first one was packed down because it was the wayside. People walking on it, going, coming, going, coming. So the soil which, which should be able to receive the seed is now has been packed down from all the going and coming, right? And, 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 and the carts and the, and the farm animals and so on because it's the wayside, it's, it's the road. Right, and so when the seed falls on it, the, the seed is is left is exposed, and the birds come and they eat it. And the demons sow seeds of other thoughts in our minds, right, that steal away the word of God for us. And then in the end, you don't even know what word you heard. But the fourth soil we talked about it. We gave some examples, examples like Saint Anthony, who. You know, his parents passed away and they left him this great fortune and he walks into the church and he hears the gospel. And he hears a gospel you and I may have heard dozens of times. The young rich ruler saying to Jesus, what must I do to be perfect? And he tells him, sell all that you have, come and follow me. 
St. Anthony didn't hear some great sermon. He didn't hear St. John Chrysostom preach. He didn't, he heard the word. But the word, who, how many other people were in the church on that day and they heard the gospel? I don't know. We'll ask St. Anthony when we get to paradise how many other people were there. But he heard the word and he did it. And because his soil, his heart was good, he yielded not a 30-fold or 60-fold or a 100-fold. He yielded like his, his crop, his harvest is all of monasticism in the known world. He is known as the father of, 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 of monks and nuns all across all across the globe. And all across the globe, monks and nuns read the life of Anthony written by St. Athanasius and they're deeply edified. When the monks in Ireland, they weren't monks, they were like, they had heard of the monks in Egypt and they said like, we want to do the same thing. So they went out into the forests of Ireland. When, when St. John Cassian went back to Europe and he brought a copy of Life of Anthony, like, or he started to tell them um, uh, or, or was it St. Athanasius that was exiled? Anyways, the short of the long, when they heard life of Anthony, they, were, they, 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 they didn't know what to do with themselves. They were, this is one man, one man. He heard a word. What's the difference between him and me? He was 18. He was 18. St. Catherine received an icon of the Holy Virgin. It changed her life. She was pagan, a pagan philosopher, con con um, uh, uh, conv convincing Christian theologians out of their faith. What is it with these people? What's the difference between them and me? The difference is the soil. The difference is, you'll all hear a word, and I will hear a word from the Lord today. But what soil will it fall on? Last week, we talked about the fourth soil and the first soil. Today, we'll talk about two and three. So, the second soil is some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they did not have depth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. What's this? This is, you know what this is? This is... This is the person who has good intention and has good desire in their heart, has a yearning for God, a real yearning, a true yearning and with no malice in it whatsoever, no hypocrisy in it whatsoever. Truly, they truly, they truly want God, but they have no depth in them. What does that mean? They have no interior life. Let me give you an example. When babies are born, mothers of newborns have a lot of difficulty understanding this. Mother, mothers and mother-in-laws, grandmothers and mother-in-laws of the mother of the newborn have a lot of difficulty understanding this. When a baby is born, their stomach is the size of about, about a cherry on day one at birth. A cherry, literally. Then by the end of the second day or so, it's about the size of a peach, maybe of an orange. Right? So the baby's born, they want to feed the baby, and they want this, right? And what happens? They feed the baby, they feed the baby, and the baby is like, bleh, 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 right? Right? Why? Because there's nowhere for it to go. Their stomach is the size of a cherry. They also need to eat every hour because their stomach is the size of a cherry, right? 
but there's nowhere for it to go, right? But it's the same for you and me, who have not developed an interior life. When, when we hear the word of God with great joy and great enthusiasm, and we haven't developed anywhere for it to go, what happens? It, immediately, it, it can't grow roots down. So what does it do? It grows up. Right? That's what happens when you sow seed in, st- in, on, in good soil on stony places. Or on where, where it has no depth, nowhere to go. It can't grow roots down. So what does it do? It grows up. So what do we do? We get excited because you sowed a seed yesterday and all of a sudden there's green little shoots coming up already. This is great, isn't it? Yeah. Until a few scorching hot days and the sun hasn't, it hasn't had time. What's the sun here? It's, it's adversity, Right? So how do we, how does, if, if you identify with this person, you know, what, you know who this is? This person is me. You know how many books are on my nightstand? So first of all, my nightstand is not a nightstand, it's a dresser, okay? So it's not like this big, it's this big, okay? I have three rows of books. You know, people put the book that they are reading on their nightstand, right? I've started every one of those books. Am I describing you, you start a book, but you never finish it? We're, we're, I'm too ADHD, I'm too excited, I'm so excited, I get a new book, I'm like, yeah, this is great, and I read the introduction, halfway through chapter one, and then somebody tells me about another book, I'm like, oh, well, let me read a little bit of that one, right? And what happens in the end? I didn't learn anything from any of these authors, because all I hear is, is, is the prologue and the introduction and half of chapter one. If, you, if I talked to any of these authors, I told them I read the prologue, the introduction, and half of chapter one, and it was amazing. He's going to tell me, well, well, did you read the rest of the book? <laughs> right? So, did you learn any? And if I told him, no, I, 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 know, I already know what you want to say. He'll be, he'll be deeply insulted. Right? Why did I write the other 28 chapters? Right? But I'm like that newborn. Look, I'm not saying this in any derogatory way. I'm not trying to insult anybody. And I'm aligning myself with you, right? But I'm like an infant. I'm like that baby with the stomach the size of a cherry. I read half a chapter and I close my eyes and I contemplate and I'm in seventh heaven. But I walk out my front door. Somebody cuts me off. I give him the finger. What happened? What happened to seventh heaven that you were in 20 minutes ago? There's no depth. My spiritual life is the depth of a nanometer. There's no depth. How do we develop that depth? What's the remedy for this second soil person? Well, the remedy is get some depth. Get some depth of soil. How do we get, how do we pack on some depth of soil? I used to think the solution was to remove the rocks. Forget about the rocks. Forget about your ADHD-ness. It's okay. Right? That, don't worry about that. How do we get some depth to our spiritual life? The answer, my beloved brothers and sisters, with fasting around the corner, thankfully, this starting this week, is asceticism. Is asceticism. What is asceticism? Asceticism 
is the pursuit of God even when I don't feel like it. Asceticism is standing to pray when I feel like I'm talking to the ceiling. Asceticism is fasting even when I feel like I don't really get anything out of this. What's the point anyways? Asceticism is pursuing God because He is worthy. I'm not going to go into a whole treatise about asceticism right now and the value of it. But I'm going to share just one thing with you that was said to me by an, an, an Ethiopian Orthodox priest who was a little bit suspicious of all of the um, advances we've made in our parish, um, amongst which are praying in English. Uh, he would have preferred that we pray in our ancient language, Coptic, like they pray in their ancient language, Giz. This is not a comparison or, or in fact, I'm going to praise what he, what he said to me. It really affected me. He said this to me. He said, what gives you the confidence to make these changes? And I said, like, change in language or this and that. And I gave some examples, some scriptural references, this and that and so on. He told me, look, Father John, you're probably right. But on the off chance that you're not, we know that this practice, that this recipe has produced saints for 2,000 years. And we have evidence of that. Why are you going to change it now? And it reminded me of a couple, we have a couple of recipes in the family, you know. These are like my great-great-grandmother's recipes, you know. And they call for like an eighth of a teaspoon of cinnamon. Like if you add a quarter of a teaspoon of cinnamon, you will be cursed forever. You will be disowned from the family. You cannot change these recipes at all. Not by like a nanogram. Why? Because these recipes are awesome. And they've been awesome for like 300 years. So... Leave it alone. <laughs> you don't like it? Make your own. But don't call it great, great, great grandmother's recipe with my addition. Just call it something else. Right? And what he said really rung true in my mind and has been a remedy for me in those moments when I feel like, hey, maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe I'm not praying right. Maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that. And I get... This, this desire to flee from my, from my prayer, this desire to flee from my fasting, this which we, which we call despondency, but doesn't matter what its name is. But when I get assaulted by this desire to flee, maybe, maybe I'm not doing it, maybe I need to do something, maybe there's a better way, maybe there's a faster way to achieve holiness, maybe this, maybe that. I just pause and I say, Pope Krolos did this. Worked for him, It'll probably work for me, you know. Lots and lots of saints through, through the ages, through thousands of years, have done this. It's worked for them. It'll probably work for me. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I just need to persist. That builds that persistence, that pushing when pushing is hard, that when you feel like you're pushing a boulder uphill, you may feel like you're going nowhere, but you're certainly strengthening your muscles. That is how we develop an interior life. We develop an interior life. 
I'll finish talking about this second earth by talking about one of my childhood friends. This was a long time ago. Um, when you'd ask him, you know, what do you do? He'd, he'd smile at you and with like all of this peace on his face that would make me want to slap him, you know, he would say, I'm a Christian. Huge smile on his face. And you'd ask him, yeah, okay, but like I'm a Christian too, but what, what do you do? Like what's your job? He's like, my job is to do the commandments of Jesus everywhere I go. This big smile on his face. Yeah, I'm telling you, I want to slap him, right? <laughs> and you'd have to squeeze him out, squeeze it out of him. He's a, high, he's a high school history teacher, right? But to him, that was the that was the le- that was the the least description of who he was. I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm someone who takes a bullet for my faith. I'm someone who does the commandments of Christ everywhere and all the time. I'm someone who testifies to the love of God in every place. If that's if you ask I'm a citizen of heaven. <laughs> you couldn't get you couldn't get it out of him because that was not his identity, right? He has a very deep interior life. He doesn't feel that he's a teacher in a school like a, a lot of you who come to me for spiritual guidance have heard me say this to you. He's like he's kind of like CIA you know, he's got, he's got a cover story. His cover story is his, is, is, is high school history teacher. But what's his real job? Christian. But I was placed here by my, my central intelligence agency, my central agency upstairs. I was placed here for a secret mission to love some unlovable people. But they don't know that. So to everybody else, I'm a high school history teacher. I get a paycheck like a high school history teacher. I report to the principal like I fill out report cards. I this, I this, I this, I that. But the moment my mission is done, whoop, right? I'll just disappear, right? Because I don't, I don't work. I don't work for this principal. I don't work for the school board. I don't work, I don't work for these. That's my cover story. But my true identity, so he has, a, he has like a secret life. He has an... In, a secret life under the water. He has an interior life. So when the seed falls, when he hears the word of God, it goes, it doesn't fall into a, a stomach the size of a cherry. It falls into an interior city, like St. Macarius says. He says the heart is like a city with streets and alleyways and places and shops and buildings and palaces and fountains and to St. Macarius, the interior life was like, was like a whole world inside the heart. But what about your heart? What about mine? Is it the size of a cherry? Or is it, this, or is it a, whole, a whole new world? To borrow words from Aladdin. So, the third soil. The third soil is a good soil. It's a good soil. The trouble is, is that the word of God didn't get there first. It's a good soil, but the trouble with the third soil is that other stuff got there first. What kind of stuff? Some materialism, some desire for prestige, some desire for progress, some this, some that, has, has, has each taken a part, you know, of the heart. And so the heart, which is this soil, is now divided. There's an area of the heart which is for my comfort. I care about my comfort. 
right? Uh, I'm a foodie, so there's a part of my heart that loves food. There's another part of my heart that loves gadgets. There's another part of my heart that loves success. There's another part of my heart that loves this. Oh, guess what? There is a part of my heart. There is, I'm not pagan, okay? Come on now, right? There is a part of my heart that loves Jesus. And in that part of my heart, he gets full reign. There's nothing else in that part of my heart. He gets the whole, he gets the whole kit and caboodle. He can have it all to himself. I tell you the truth, never work. It will never work. Why? Because little pieces of my heart creep into other little pieces of my heart. And these little pieces of my heart creep into little other pieces of my heart. And little by little, some parts of my heart end up a little inflated and some parts of my heart appear a little bit, a little bit empty. So unlike the second soil, I told you don't worry about the stones. Leave the stones, deepen the soil. Don't worry, maybe if we remove the stones, we'll have more soil. No, you won't. You're still going to have very little soil, right? The issue is we need more soil. That was the second soil. The third one, yeah, the solution here is we've got to pull out the weeds. We've got to pull out the weeds to give the good seed room to grow. We've got to deny ourselves a little bit. We've got to deny ourselves a little bit. We've got to empty ourselves a little bit. We've got to prune a little bit. Jesus talks about a vine. Has branches. Has branches that have big, beautiful vine leaves. No grapes. And other branches that have teeny, weeny, weeny little grapes. The branches with the big vine leaves, they're beautiful branches. Nothing wrong with them. They don't have cancer. They've got nothing. They're good. They're fine. But what are they doing? They're siphoning off the sap down a branch that has no potential for fruit. So what needs to be uprooted? Sin in my life? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt, we all agree about it. Cut the sin out, for sure. Whatever the, the roots of sin are to my life, cut, cut it out. Close the door, you know, like from the kingdom of... Jesus says about St. John the Baptist, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Sin must be uprooted from my life by force, period. It's going to be violent. It's going to be ugly. It's got to be. There's no moderation. There's no... Don't negotiate with terrorists, okay? That was one of the campfires we talked about. Don't negotiate with terrorists. Don't negotiate with sin. Don't negotiate... Don't, don't negotiate with, with insane people, okay? With not insane people, but insane demons, Okay? Don't negotiate. Sin has to be uprooted. That's it. That's all. Cut it off. It's gone. But what about the stuff in my life that's not sin? It's not sin to, to enjoy cooking. Like I'm speaking entirely about myself. It's not a sin to enjoy cooking. It's a sin to be gluttonous. But we're not talking about like cooking a feast for eight and then eating it all myself. We're talking about cooking a feast for eight and inviting seven friends for as long as we're able to do that in this lockdown and, and enjoying a nice meal together, right? What's wrong with that? Well, I don't know. The question is, how do you know which branches to prune? Very easy. You look at the end of the branch and you see, are there grapes at the end of the branch or not? 
If there's grapes, even if they're tiny little grapes, leave them, leave the branch. Maybe when we prune the other branches that have no fruit at the end of them, then maybe when we prune those off, the ones with very little fruit, the fruit will plump up because all the sap will have to take the path of least direct, least, uh, um, you know what I'm trying to say, like the unobstructed path and will go in, in, in the branch that has the fruit. Is there any potential in these things that you love? When you and I, when I, and I ask you, what do you love? I love my wife. I love my children. Ya halewa. Tell me other things. Okay? Right? What do you love? Do you, I love this. I love that. I love sushi. I love this. I love this. I love that. I love skiing. I love this. I love this. I love that. Tell me the things you love. Make a list of the things you love. Okay, and then ask yourself, open up Galatians 5.22 and look at the fruits of the Spirit. Do any, do what, which of these things lead to the fruits of the Spirit? I love exercising. Fantastic. Does that lead to any of the fruits of the Spirit? Yes, it makes me a more peaceful person. It teaches me self-control. It teaches me persistence. Oh, those are all fruits of the Spirit. Great. Keep up the exercise. I love all-you-can-eat sushi. Let's see. Love, joy, peace, self-control. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not seeing the connection here with all-you-can-eat sushi. You know, find the connection. Keep it. Don't find the connection. Prune it. Why? Because so the other things that you love will be more fruitful. You see, we're not punitive. We're not sadistic. We have our eyes on the goal that we want to offer a fruit to Jesus. On the last day, on the last day, you and I will stand before Christ. He will open His arms wide and in so doing, we will see the print of the nails in His arms. And He'll say, John, I've been waiting for you. I'm so happy you're here. Look at all that I've been wanting to share with you for all of eternity. And I'm going to walk in with my little basket of fruit, of little anemic raisins that didn't get a lot of sap because all the sap was going to all-you-can-eat sushi. And I'm going to say, Jesus, I brought you something too. See, we're not talking about we're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about God will send you to hell if you eat all you can eat sushi or what. Let's not be foolish. Let's not be foolish. We're talking about offering an offering of love to the one who has given us the greatest love in the world, which is his life. Is he not worthy for me to cut out these things in my life that are... Not bad, but not helping me to offer him something beautiful? Isn't he worthy? Let us ask ourselves that question and act upon it wisely. Glory be to God forever and ever. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.